This is East Carolina Offensive Coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick. We are talking one of my favorite things, Pirate Football, on the Sports Objective. Welcome into the Sports Objective as we have a very special night as we give you the wide receivers preview and tight ends for 2023. Ladies and gentlemen, always my pleasure, my buddy, all the way from LaGrange, North Carolina. I'm talking about Kyle from LaGrange. What's up, dude? What's going on, Dave? You're my favorite tight end. Uh, <laughs> look, uh, I, uh, I was listening to the intro there, and I've heard Donnie say that on our intro several times. We're talking one of my favorite things. Pirate football. I, I want Donnie to list his other favorite things. I want him to be like, little one puppies that tie up in strings. These are a few. So we we got to get Donnie the next time he's on. We got well, we to get him to list his yeah. other favorite yeah, things. <laughs> Besides pirate football. What are your other favorite things, Donnie? Bubba, what's up? Uh, just We had to... Call a couple audibles tonight, but getting the kinks worked out before the start of the season. Uh, a couple of amateur mistakes there. Uh, you know, we're about out of storage, <laughs> so we, we wanted the show to record. But, yep, that, uh, that's a good thing. But, yeah, looking forward to um, talking about the Pirate receivers and tight ends tonight. And uh, it's a room where you, you lose nearly 200 receptions uh, between, uh, obviously, Zay Winstead, C.J. Johnson, and then also Ryan Jones. Uh, so, and, and then you could, uh, obviously we had the running back conversation on our most recent show and Keaton Mitchell had 25 or 30 catches. So a lot of uh, production to be made up for, but uh, some good targets, some returning and also coming in. So uh, we'll, we'll see how things go. Uh, I like some of these pieces and uh, we'll, we'll dive into who these individuals are here momentarily. And let's go the man that played a linebacker in the Logan era, and he, the inspiration for the show tonight, all the way from Middletown, Connecticut, it's Matt Semenza. What's up, dude? What's up, guys? I'm still getting over Kyle singing uh, that little intro song there. That took me. It took me back for a minute. The sound uh, of music, bro. It's pretty good. Not bad. Um, when the dog bites, when the bee stings. When I'm feeling wow. sad. Wow. That's uh, that's impressive, but uh, so yeah, fellas. I, <laughs> when I collect my thoughts here, uh, you know, I I'll tell you, like I I was not feeling too uh, excited about this wide receiver group, um, but today I just kind of like took a few minutes. I, I I wrote some names down on paper. I started looking through the depth chart, and, and then he don't feel so sad. Okay, sorry, sorry, Matt. Go ahead. <laughs> Jesus. And even though it's unproven talent, uh, I do feel like there is talent in the room. So we'll break it down tonight. But, uh, you know, uh, with the season right around the corner, some guys are going to have to step up in that room. Yeah, no doubt. There's um, there's talent there. You got Jalen Johnson as a proven commodity, but can he stay healthy? You know, you you, you, you got you, you got a lot of a lot of pieces 
that, that aren't proven. A lot of guys from the transfer portal, but uh, there, there's potential there to uh, to 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 be productive at receiver. You know, yeah, with, with Jalen Johnson, I mean, you have a guy last year. I think he finished between 25 and 30 receptions, 26 for 340 and four touchdowns. Uh, the Campbell game stands out. I believe it was um, the the bowl game also. Yeah, the bowl game as well. But I think it's either the Old Dominion or Campbell game. I want to say it was Campbell where he had eight or nine receptions, had had a really big night. It was Campbell. But, um, yeah, it, you know, going into last season, I really liked what, what we were getting or what I thought we were getting in Jalen Johnson based on what I saw and heard. And, you know, hopefully that will be the case with some of these portal guys from this year. You have the likes of Chase Sowell, from Colorado, Ryan King from Georgia Tech, and Keelan Robinson coming in from Kansas. So um, one of the, the primary things that we're seeking from a receiver in the portal was size um, because on the roster, you really didn't have a proven commodity. You had Jarrett Garner, who you hope would step up and, and be able to shoulder some of that load. And um, from everything we hear, you know, he's – on his way to doing that, but and with Chase Sowell, Ryan King, and Keelan Robinson, those guys are anywhere from 6'2 to 6'3, 200 to 220 pounds. So um, Pirates got exactly what they wanted from, from the portal. And you heard Donnie Kirkpatrick when we had him on a few weeks back say that as awesome as the, the Zay Winstead experience was for for one season that that's not something that the program wanted to make it a habit of we wanted multi-year guys whether it was two or three year players and that's exactly what you're getting in each of these three guys yeah i think that's a good point bob and you know when you look at it like you said keelan robinson 6'2 205 pounds chase Sowell, 6'2 ryan king 6'3 in addition to those three guys that we got from the portal you look at a true freshman we just brought in this class Malik Leverett, 6'3", 200 pounds. And then you have Jarrett Garner on the outside, who's, you know, he transferred from Duke a few years back, 6'3". So now you have five guys or so in the program that they're bigger targets, um, you know, that you can hopefully, you know, get the ball to on the outside and make plays. In addition to that, you look at Tyler Savage, who he's going to kind of fill into that hybrid role this year where he's technically listed as a tight end. But he's more of a detached tight end. He's not going to be an inline blocker type. He's going to be spread out, most likely in the slot, try to get him matched up with linebackers where he can kind of beat them and make plays. So he's the guy that's about 6'3", 6'4". So, you know, just looking through it, I mean, you make a great point. We did we did address a, a huge need and, and bring in some, you know, some bigger receivers. No question. That's where the game has been going. In fact, the same thing, guys, right, for the D-backs in the secondary – you got to have tall guys, right? Or that's what you would like to have. Yeah, without question. And that was a whole, you know, that was another thing when we had on um, uh, Blake Harrell earlier last month, you know, the sort of the catchphrase that you heard a lot about this year from Mike Houston and, and uh, Coach Harrell was length, you know, adding length to the secretary. And you see a number of those guys are six, one and above. Um, so if you can, if you can add length and, and those guys can still run, you know, you, you've just upgraded your program. Matt, did you just say add length to the secretary? 
Yeah, you did. Is that what I said? It's been a That's long exactly day. What she said. Yeah. So, to the secretary, nice. The secretary got length. Yeah. My, my, it's been a long day, and I'm too. Uh, I've had two rum and coke, so you, you know. <laughs> there you go. Are you thinking about length the secretary? So, um, <laughs> I was trying to let that go, but Kyle was not going to let that go. <laughs> That's hilarious. But back back to the receivers, guys. Obviously, um, Jalen Johnson. You know, if he can stay healthy, I, I honestly, and this is not a knock on C.J. Johnson or Winstead. If Jalen Johnson can stay healthy, he's more talented. He's he's got more physical raw ability than either C.J. or or Winstead. And I love both those guys. And and uh, so if Jalen can just stay healthy and live up to his potential, um, he could be a stud for us this year. Um, and, and then um, the other guy that we haven't mentioned that has some returning experience that really hasn't, I don't think, ever lived up to his expectations is Josiah Hatfield. And I know Dave is always a big Josiah Hatfield fan because you see the potential with his speed. He's so damn fast. You know, if he could, if he could just get consistent, he could be a playmaker for us. And that's somebody we hadn't even talked about that's already on the roster. Yeah, guys, uh, you remember last year, my X factor for the offense was Josiah Hatfield. And I, you know, I'm, I was disappointed that he I, he didn't have the year I thought he would. But uh, this is his last shot, guys. He's a senior. So, right, Matt? I mean, and Bubba, this and Kyle, this is uh, this is it. <laughs> you know, uh, you want to go out on a great note uh, for your legacy of uh, being a pirate. And I'm hoping he's got the talent. He's got this. Obviously, the speed is. Uh, he was right up there with uh, with uh, Keaton Mitchell last year, right? He's got like four three forty speed, but you still have to catch balls, and you still have to. I think it comes down. What do you guys think? It comes down to uh, creating space where he can make things happen. I mean, because that, that guy gets a couple steps on uh, on uh, uh, on the secondary, he's gone. I mean, he he can really make think, place. When you think of Josiah Hatfield, you really think of a couple plays, or maybe maybe three or four plays. Don't we? For me, it's the the post route that he caught against SMU back in 2019, and then 2021 the the jet sweep pass from Tyler Sneed, uh, 80 yards to the house, and then wasn't a kickoff return to the house at Temple. Those are the three plays that I really think of. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And the, and the most recent was the kickoff return at Temple, and. Uh... You know, you, you just think on you, know, you get him in the screen game or something that he can make people miss with his speed and be a weapon for. See, he's either going to do it this year or he ain't never going to do it. So uh, we'll, we'll see. He, 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 he may have more opportunity this year than he has in the past, but you're going to have to show you can do it consistently, whether you're a senior or a freshman or, or, or Houston ain't going to have you out there. Well, let me throw this to you, Kyle. I mean, what what do you think he is? I mean, so he's 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 shown he's proven that that big playability where he can stretch the field. If he's going to be an every down receiver, you think he's got the ability to make tough catches across the middle? Can he be a possession type receiver, or is he really a guy that he's going to be using that role just to kind of stretch the field occasionally? I, yeah, I don't know. I, he he can be a playmaker for us, so if he could be in there. W- the way I'd like to see him utilize is is kind of on the inside and, and throwing screens to him, stuff like that. I, that. That's that's the way I'd like to see him utilized. But I, I don't know that, you know, we haven't done a lot of that, as you've mentioned, Matt. 
Um, I, for some reason, I got a feeling we're going to see more of that this year, but we'll see. Something I wanted to throw in before we talk more about the personnel, and there are several guys to discuss, but um, you had turnover on the offensive staff. We discussed that with offensive coordinator Donnie Kirkpatrick. Uh, you had Latrell Scott, who's the passing game coordinator, moving on to Maryland. And then Raquan Boyette, uh, who was a receivers coach last year, he shifted to the running backs position. So you have Aaron Hour, who is senior offensive analyst. Uh, he, he is now the inside wide receivers and tight ends coach. And um, he had also he had come to East Carolina from University of Georgia. So um, very young, but um, a heck of a coach because um, you, you – Heard uh, what Donnie Kirkpatrick said that things were able to carry on without missing a beat was spring ball because of Aaron Hour knowing the offense inside out from having been offensive analyst and his previous experience on the field. And then you had Darrell Roberts, former Virginia Tech wide receiver, coming over from Eastern Michigan. Uh, he had just been promoted to passing game coordinator there on Chris Creighton's staff. And prior to Eastern Michigan, he had spent, I think, just a few months at his alma mater at Virginia Tech as an analyst. And prior to that, he had spent three or four years at Western Illinois where he was the passing game coordinator um, or na name passing game coordinator during the middle of his stint after just starting as a receivers coach. And then he also had the special teams coordinator tag added on during his time there at Western Illinois. You, you guys know, Bob, particularly you know how I feel about Chris Creighton. And – uh if if Chris Caton hires you, you're a good coach. And Chris Creighton and Mike Houston have similar mindsets. They both are very hard-nosed, old-school football-type coaches. So uh, I think he should be a really good fit for what Mike Houston wants to do. Dave, Dave you're muted. muted. Sorry. Hey, uh, Kyle, you know that we're going to meet Chris Creighton, right? Bubba and I are, maybe Matt? Uh, I heard y'all going to the Eastern Michigan game the Friday night before the Eastern yep. Michigan game. I didn't. I don't know you're going to meet Creighton, but uh, yeah, we'll take a selfie with him and send well, him to you. Well, you, you can, you can tell you can tell him that I told y'all who he was, and uh, and if it wasn't for me, that uh, you wouldn't know who he was, Dave. So. That's true, but I just still, I still thought you would go. Maybe you'll still change your mind. I'm, not, not, going, I'm not going to Ann Arbor. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to spend money to uh, watch us get our brains beat in. So, what if what if we don't? Well, then you know, then I'll have a great time at home. Do you think I'm going to be disappointed? Well, no, I'm just saying, you know, have a little faith in the Pirates. Uh, Dave, I, 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 we, it, we could have last year's football team <laughs> and, and, and we would still most likely get our brains beating by Michigan. I mean, and most teams are going to get their brains beat in by Michigan. And look, and and I wouldn't want to go spend trip on a trip to Ann Arbor, Michigan to watch us lose by one point. So I, I don't want to watch us lose. So uh, I no, I'm not going to Michigan. It's possible to go to Dowdy Ficklin and lose too, right? Yeah, I'm a little closer to Dowdy Ficklin. I didn't know if you realized that. You know? <laughs> no, I thought you were in, near Ann Arbor. Yeah, but... It's a, a little, <laughs> little bit closer for me to. Um, now, Dave, if you'd like to pay for the trip out there, and um, you know, and 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 everything, you know, the hotel, the the the, I would I want to fly, I don't want to drive, so the plane tickets, and uh, you want to get my food while we're out there, then we'll go. We'll get you a press pass. How about that? You can sit up in the press box. 
That's cool. I'd, I'd be more than happy to set the press box up there. Hey, but before we talk more about those portal receivers that we added to the roster uh, that were so, so desperately needed in terms of um, the, the size they provided, um, we, we talk about Josiah Hatfield, some, some other guys that need to, to shoulder a much larger load this season. Uh, Kerry King, um, Jarrett Garner, um, who obviously came – East Carolina from Duke prior to last season. Brock Spalding, uh, he, he was one, I think, he may have perhaps uh, battled an injury last year, but he, he, he did play in the bowl game, ha- had one catch for about five yards against Coastal Carolina, but uh, he's he's a guy that reminds you a bit of Tyler Snead, a, l- a little bit taller, 5'10", and a little over 180 pounds. Canadian Football League superstar Tyler Snead. Um, yeah, congrats to Tyler on his three touchdown incredible. game for the Montreal Alouettes. Yep, I, uh, at least one of those touchdown receptions was over a former Pirate defensive back Deshaun Amos. Yeah, we don't really have. A, I always have a lot of Pirates contributing in CFL, but uh, you, you talked about Brock Spalding. Uh, yeah, he, I, I noticed him in the bowl game, um, and 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 uh, he's a kid that I think could. Could be a bit of a surprise this year, and what a great name too! Is as you you got to play some kind of sport with a name like Brock Spalding. No doubt, yeah, it's a hey. great name, and you know he he's the type of guy that he's going to have to contribute over the middle. Like I see him kind of in that backup role on the as one of the inside receivers, where he's going to be running some shallow crossers and and trying to get the ball uh, underneath, you know, and and. He definitely has ability. I mean, I remember being pretty impressed with his high school film. and um, So he's going to have a chance to, to contribute a lot this year. I think another guy in that same kind of mold is um, Jari Patterson. And, yeah. uh, you know, he, he's been in the program for a few years. He brings some pretty good size. He's six foot, about 192 pounds. Um, by all accounts, very quick feet. Um, he's... From what I've heard, he had an impressive offseason, and uh, he's got a lot of talent. So he's another guy that you can kind of throw in that mix um, that's going to contribute. You know, it's going to come down to who's going to step up. The opportunities are going to be there, but somebody's going to have to step up in fall camp and, and, and take these spots. Guys, by the way, <laughs> hey, Kyle, you've, you've got a way up to uh, Michigan. You didn't know that, right? Here, here's what Justin says. I'm uh, sorry, wrong one. He says, uh, "Kyle, I'll let you ride in the truck. How about that? That would be cool." You, uh, you Justin, could... I, yeah, I, I, we ride, I ride in the hauler. Okay, I, uh, there, there, there's, there's a thought. I mean, that, that would be an experience for sure. Just see, see, uh, see a little bit of America from Greenville to uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan, uh, on a college transporter. Um, but uh, Justin, I'll, I'll consider the offer, and I'll probably still not go, but I do appreciate it. You could work on the equipment too, Kyle. Those uh, on the helmets and everything—that would be kind of cool. How? What kind of work would you like for me to do on the helmet stuff? Well, they—they they, don't they paint? They do different things to the equipment, right? The equipment crew before each game. Yeah, I think Rudy volunteers for, to do that. <laughs> yeah, sounds good to me. Uh, but. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I was going to say, guys, I, I thought one of my points, knowing we were going to do the show tonight, I thought the uh, offensive line was going to be the X factor for me as far as position rooms. But, guys, I think uh, listening to you guys uh, pre-show and obviously earlier today, 
I'm, the wide receiver room has so much upside. This could be the difference of making a bowl and not making a bowl, right? I, I really think it's – I mean, sure, you're going to have to have some receivers step up, but uh, but um, I really think it's you know, more the positions we discussed previously. But, uh, yeah, anytime, anytime you lose <laughs> – 200 receptions or, or close to it and 2,500 yards of production and, and 20 touchdowns, you got to have a lot of people step up. And I, I think we have the guys to get that done. Uh, they just have to go out there and prove it. Well, the, the biggest thing of a kid, kid, whether we go to a bowl game or not, is going to be quarterback play because we've got enough at receiver where if you got a guy that, that, that's, that, that can get the ball to him and make plays, we'll be able to win. So, uh, that's going to be the key to a bowl game. It's going to be, you know, does does Mason Garcia or um, Alex Flynn step up and uh, and and able to contribute at a high level? And the other X factor to me is going to be the the the, the O line. Uh, to me, that's your two biggest things of whether we're yep. going to go to a bowl game or not. It's going to be quarterback play and O line play, and they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, and I think in terms of Mason Garcia, you know, he's – if I was a defensive coordinator playing against Mason, especially early in the season, I'm going to I'm gonna try to really mix him up and confuse him. A lot of pre-snap movement. I'm going to try to disguise my coverages. I'm going to provide a different look on, on almost every play. You know, I might show cover two, you know, cover three, zone blitz. I'm going to really try to mix him up, especially early in the season. Um, and I think the word is out on him that he, he's got a rocket for an arm. He wants to throw the deep ball. So, you know, part of what I do is just kind of make, keep everything underneath and make him beat you, you know, kind of with just kind of reading defenses. So it's going to be a big challenge for him. But, you know, I do think there's a lot of talent. You know, when I look at this group on paper, again, I said this earlier, when I, when I had a chance to kind of look through the depth chart and, and, and see what we have. I feel a little more encouraged, especially with the portal guys. But again, it's one thing to have talent, but can you make plays on Saturdays, right? A lot of guys can right. do it in practice. Can you make plays on Saturdays? And and then can you gel as an offense? You know, how long is it going to take the offense to come together? It, it could be the type of thing where, you know, it might take three or four games until – this offense kind of hits its stride with so many new faces. So, you know, lots of question marks. I don't want to beat a dead horse with it, but uh, I think we're all on the same page with that. Yeah, with the wide receivers. Uh, but I think, uh, you know, some people are not ready for, I guess, you know, for Mason Garcia, but I think he's going to be a lot better than what people expect. And I think, you know, I'm t- telling you guys with uh, Houston, Houston is, to me, uh, this is the first time he's ever had shown any kind of confidence, especially preseason. In fact, uh, everybody I've talked to, our sources over in Greenville, uh, behind the scenes is saying there's a quiet confidence. Take that for whatever you want, but I'm telling you guys, we are a lot better than what people are giving us uh, credit for. Well, I, I think his confidence may be a lot to do with our defense, More, and we're talking about receivers tonight, but I think that may be where a lot of his confidence is coming from. But um, we'll see, I hope. Um, we'll talk about more of the receivers. The, uh, I'm horrible with names, guys. The, the the transfer from Kansas, the Habano, um, 
Keelan Robinson. Keelan Robinson, yeah. He sounds like he's doing better. From what I hear, his teammates love him um, and, and like that he is not only from a talent standpoint, but just from a fitting in standpoint that, 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 that he has like become almost become a leader already. So, uh, where at least he's fitting in very well. He's very well liked. So, and, um, that probably bodes well for, for, uh, for the fall. I would, I would think that would transfer it on the field. Yeah. I'd heard the same Kyle and, and to elaborate a little on that or to add to it rather, um, I heard teammates just saying, you know, as well as coaches, you know, how in the world was he not playing more at Kansas? Um, because they said he came in, uh, he was in top shape, uh, running excellent routes, I mean, excellent hands, you know, being everything that we hoped he would be. So um, hopefully that will carry over into the season. Um, a little more about Chase Sowell. He's also from Texas, as is Keelan Robinson. So well, 6'3", 200 is where he was listed on the Colorado roster. And kind of an interesting fact about him, um, or about his family, rather, his parents had met at the University of Florida. His his mom played women's uh, soccer there for the Gators. And then then, uh, his father was a baseball player for U of F. So he, he had a couple catches last season. Played in four games, so he was able to retain his red shirt season. And then um, as far as Ryan King, Ryan King's originally from Logansville, Georgia, coming out of high school. He was a top 75 wide receiver nationally. And last year for the Yellow Jackets had four receptions for 38 yards. Now, what I heard, he really didn't – he didn't really didn't look that good in the spring. Isn't that correct, that he was a little disappointed in the spring? Honestly, do not recall. I, I, I think he, he may have battled something as well as far as an injury. I uh, may be mistaken on that. But my hope for Ryan King is, you know, Jalen Johnson, there were some doubters there just because he didn't catch many passes at Georgia. But yeah. I loved what I saw on film. I said, this guy's going to be a player, which, 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 which he is. Yeah. So um, my hope is that Ryan King will be able to do the same, a different type of player probably from as far as you know, a little bit taller, a little bit uh, heavier, but um, and probably probably not as fast, although I don't know that for a fact. But uh, but Ryan King, maybe he'll he'll emerge and you know have have a very solid season with the Pirates. Well, he started a lot of games at Georgia Tech. Yeah, right? He only had four receptions. He played in, and that was a similarity to Jalen Johnson at, at Georgia. Jalen Johnson uh, played in the majority of the games over a couple seasons for the Bulldogs, but um, Ryan King played in 22 games over the last two years at Georgia Tech. He, but he just had, you know, uh, I mentioned four for 38 last year, and he, I'm not sure he, if he had a catch or two. It wasn't more than that in 2021. Well, I heard one thing I heard about him. I heard he's a very good blocking wide receiver on the outside. Ooh, so, I love those. That sounds good. Yeah, that's that's that's. I mean, and, he, and he's a big he's a big guy. I mean, he, he's got the. He's frame not small. Work. He's not. He's definitely not small. Um, Would you say he was six two, six three, Matt? Yeah, he's. Uh, let's Somewhere see, there. Ryan King, six three, two fifteen. Six three, yeah. So he's he's a bigger body receiver. And the one thing I'll say, you know, I remember I, I Kyle, I did hear similar. To what you heard, I remember maybe I read it online somewhere that maybe he didn't have the greatest spring. But the one thing I'll say to 
you know, people out there listening is he came from a very different system. You know, those, I'm sure those first few weeks of spring ball, he's learning the offense. He's, he's kind of getting used to his surroundings. Good point. Um, you know, learning the checks and, and hot routes. And that was you know, so, so I think, you know, it, it does look like there's the abilities there, but I think, I think, uh, I guess my point is the jury is still out. You know, I think we'll know more um, as the season goes on here. He gets acclimated in the offense. Matt, my question was that is how long do you think these guys, I mean, I know that you came in right away, but uh, to the university, how, how long, but with the teammates you had at that time, I know it's a different era, but how long does it take to adjust to, to, you know, the speed of the game? And obviously you've got different coaches and different schemes. Uh, what would you say that, is there a certain timeline that we should be looking at and you say, okay, it's not the fact he's transferring, you know, moving over here. It's well, well the speed of the game. Just, the speed of the game shouldn't be an issue for him because he's played, you know, Division well, yeah. One. But the, the I, I'll let Matt answer the rest of that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's a good question. I I can tell you the first, you know, what I always say. I've said this for years. Players make their biggest jump um in the spring ball following their first year in the program right okay because you because you, that first season you're getting acclimated and then all of a sudden in spring ball things start to slow down for you in ryan king's case just using him as an example it's kind of the opposite his spring ball came first and now right. his ball camp hopefully things start to slow down but i'll tell you man it's hard when your first few months in the program you're getting so much thrown at you you know, you're, you're just trying to, like, I always say, figure out where to go on campus. And, you know, now you're getting thrown in a football game. And, and it's it's a lot. It typically takes five to six months, I think, before you're really comfortable in a scheme. Um, occasionally, there's guys that can do it. You know, we talked earlier today in our text group about, if you guys recall, Lance Lewis. Yep. Uh, tremendous receiver. Probably one of the most underrated, underrated players to ever come through East Carolina. He got here like two weeks before fall camp. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys. And he his first game, he blew up. I think it was Ruffin McNeil's very first game yep. uh, against Tulsa. Am I am I am I right? That about sounds that? right. Yeah, 2010. Yeah. Wow. So it can be I done. I forgot about that. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I mean, there are certain guys that are just incredible athletes that can just pick it up really quick. You know, he's he's a perfect example. And, guys, do you want to go to the question, Robert's question here? Uh, uh, Bubba, if we can put that up in uh, – I, I don't think it makes a difference here, but he says with neither a quarterback attending the AAC meetings, that kind of leads me to think that Flynn isn't far behind uh, Garcia. Am I viewing this wrong? I think you're correct on the part that Flynn is close. Um, he's definitely approved a lot, um, but I think it's just usually when you take – Maybe when you take the guys to media days, when you say guys, it's like leaders of the team, and maybe the fact that Holden's not there, that uh, Mason or um, Alex Flynn are the leaders of the team. Well, Mason hasn't been guaranteed the starting position yet. He's starting right. coming out of spring, but there's going to be competition in the fall. So I, I don't know. I don't know that you could read too much into how close Flynn is on Garcia's tail. I, I don't, but based on not going to media day. Um, I mean, I, I think if Garcia won the contest, just, just clearing away, blew him off the field. Yeah. You, you may see him at media day, but um, I get what you're saying. Um, 
you know, could, could we see a Flynn starting or playing uh, against Michigan? Um, I, I think I think Bubba thinks is a real high possibility of that. Don't you? Well, yeah, it wouldn't it wouldn't shock me, but if I if I had to put money on it, I'd say it'd be Mason Garcia. But as far as the media day, I think you take Shane Calhoun because, I, yes, I know senior, right? Yes, I know. Um, no, I, I know that uh, Mason Garcia has been in been in the program since 2020 as well. But with Shane Calhoun, Shane Calhoun's a, a proven commodity, and right. uh, and and not only is he a proven commodity, they said he's grown leaps and bounds from last year, according to yep. DK when we, when we had him on a few weeks back. Uh, so you know you you look at. Shane last year, 25 receptions for a little over 200 yards. Really had a nice bowl game against Coastal Carolina. Um, and you know, he has probably about 40 career receptions and and obviously has done very well as a blocker. And, and you know, early on in his career, uh, even though he didn't get thrown the ball much, I remember him catching a pass, I guess it was down at Georgia State. And I really liked the way he ran with the ball and looked uh, very natural. And as a receiving tight end, so uh, I really expect Shane Calhoun, especially considering you know last year you had him and Ryan Jones, they were used in different ways, but the two of them combined for 65 to 70 receptions. This year, I fully expect uh, Shane Calhoun to have 45 to 50 catches, if, if not more. You know, guys, I, this is a little bit off subject from wide receivers, just in general. But I was thinking that when we have a good head coach, Steve Logan, Skip Holtz, Russell McNeil, uh, you know, Mike Houston, the building and, and the rebuilding years, I, I kind of like them. Um, you know, when there's a lot of question marks and you're kind of, you kind of, you know, developing and you're going to be a six win team or a five win team or maybe surprise people be a seven or eight win team you know, or, or a disappointment, hope not. And then it makes it not as enjoyable, but I, I kind of enjoy these rebuilding seasons. I can remember, um, I can remember Matt's last year in East Carolina, 97, when, you know, we had to replace that whole offensive line and, and Scott Harley turned out he couldn't run when he didn't have that 96 offensive line blocking for him nearly as well. And, and Dan Gonzalez, people, you know, saw him with that O-line blocking for him at the end of 96 and thought he was going to, you know, in '97, we started off like one and four, one and five, and then, and and at one point, couldn't move the ball at all. And just to watch that team develop through the year, yep. and then be playing NC State at the end of the year for a chance to go to a bowl, you know, just things like that. You know, I I, I enjoyed seasons. I were, you know, I, I've asked you guys this question, and some of you, it sounds like a dumb question, and maybe it is, but what's your favorite losing season ever? And I remember Skip Holt's first year. Watching that build, that 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 is not only one of my favorite losing seasons. That 05 season is one of my favorite seasons in ECU history, even though it was a losing season, because you could just see him building, right. and you could just see that JT stank going away. And and sometimes these rebuilding years can be fun if you if you approach it right. Well, I, I would agree that I, for the reasons you mentioned, that uh, I know, like you said, it does sound weird. But um, because of how trying that 2002 to 2004 period was, 
on that that 2005 season and going five and six, you know, especially closing out the year with those back to back wins and um, uh, upsetting UAB and and uh, you know, spoiling the guarantee of Daryl Hackney, who's their quarterback at the time. It almost um, it, I mean, it's the next best thing to go into a bowl. I mean, you you were just just one win shy, but right. uh, you, you really carried a lot of momentum into 06. And guys, uh, another season comes to mind, Bubba. What about uh, that 1990 season uh, that that team laid the foundation for the Peach Bowl year? Would you uh, is that another fair uh, season? 89 and 90 uh, to a lesser degree. Uh, was it five uh, wins for in yeah, 90? Off the top of my head. I want to say, uh, yeah, in, in the 89 and 90, in both of those years, it was it was five wins. I, mean, I yeah. think te- technically now the, the fact book and the media guide will show you six and five in one of those years because we were the recipient of a forfeit from Louisiana Tech. But um, both of those on the field uh, were five win seasons. There you go. That's uh, th- those two years, and that's what set, you know, Matt. That's what set up uh, nicely for the Peach Bowl, and then Logan taking over. So that was that was actually uh, helping you guys out too, is all the way back to eighty nine and ninety. Oh, no doubt about it. And you know, I think you guys all made some really good points and. You know, I, I do think this could be a fun year. I agree with that. It's a more of a foundational year where you're kind of building it back up. But, uh, you know, it's the type of thing where there is talent there. And, if hey, if Mason Garcia turns out to be, you know, the next great quarterback at East Carolina, this, this could – you know, we could surprise some people this year. We really could. Yeah, yeah. the, the um, question is, is it going to be is it going to be 2012 or is it going to be in 97? I don't think we have to worry about it being 02. Let's hope it's hot too. No, but but you know, um, <laughs> will it be twenty twelve? Will it be ninety seven? You know, twenty twelve, we were in a very similar spot and we ended up going eight and four. Yeah, no doubt. And I think it's the type of thing where we're going to be. I, you know, maybe take Michigan aside. I think we're going to be in every game this year. I really do. Now it's a question: Are we going to win all those games? But I don't see us getting run out of the building. You know, I think we're going to be very competitive week in and week out and have a chance to win a lot of games. But, you know, I wanted to kind of take a, uh, a little uh, flip back to what we were saying before. You guys, Bob, I think you mentioned Chase Sowell. Um, is he part of the whole Deion Sanders kind of yeah. cleaning house at Colorado situation? Yes. Was, was he caught up in that? To what degree? I, uh, like I'm, honestly whole- not, I'm honestly not sure. I, I heard people try to spin it that he left on his own. Because yeah. he didn't like what was going on there with all of his teammates being kicked off, I don't know if that's true or not. But I remember hearing that. Did, Bub, did you hear that? Seems like it, but um, like I said, I honestly do not recall for sure. I'd have to do more homework there. Yeah, Matt and and Matt and I are one of our favorite people is uh, Deion Sanders. So, uh, Coach Prime, he but he uh, he bet the family farm. And everything he had uh, on this year, and um, I think that I will take. And guys, you were talking about building things and the foundation. I'll take the Mike Houston School of building a program over the the Coach Prime building a program. What do you guys think? Well, I don't know if you guys heard Brent Venables, uh, yeah, coach, coach for Oklahoma, 
formerly at Clemson for many years, was was kind of kind of uh, pretty uh, pretty critical of Dion in the uh, press conference the other day. I don't know if you guys heard that. Yeah, but I did. Basically, you know. Well, no, I didn't. What did he say, uh, Matt? Basically, what he was saying is, you know, he, he, Brent Venable said, you know, listen, I'm I'm trying to build the program in a way where, you know. I gave all my guys one year to kind of prove themselves. I didn't run everybody out. Right. He's like, I'm not like Deion Sanders where I just basically, you know, come into the program and just run everybody off and bring in an entire new team. So he took a direct shot at Deion. Um, You'll have to read the quote, but, uh, you know, he definitely didn't hold back. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that Deion respond. Do we know if Deion responded? He did. He, he responded, but he kind of took the high road on it. You know, he really wow. I thought that's surprising. Yeah, at least from what I saw, I, I don't think he came back with, uh, you know, too much fire. But um, you know, time will tell. I was just curious if if Chase so well, you know, w- was just part of that whole situation there. Yeah, well, he definitely was. He was on the team last year. He and he left after spring ball, Matt. To answer your question, so. He he had a he had spring ball under Coach Prime. Yeah, I like like I told you guys, uh, it's uh, <laughs> I think it's a train wreck. Everybody wants to see a train wreck, um, but uh, certainly, or like in NASCAR, they want to see all the wrecks. Um, but for me, you take away the celebrity. Um, I'm just not a fan of uh, what he did, and uh, it is what it is. Hey, uh, I'm not a fan of Colorado football. Um, I know they they only won. I know they only won one. Was it one game, guys? Right, one in eleven. Yeah, and and their average margin of defeat was somewhere like twenty eight, twenty nine points. It was because I went back just out of curiosity. I compared it to the seasons we were discussing, as far as the Thompson and also the Montgomery years. Yeah, and yeah. it was substantially worse than that as far as average margin of defeat. To give you an idea. Holy well, yeah. Shoot. <laughs> Robert says he said Venables got the keys to a Ferrari. Mm. On offense, yeah, he did. Um, on defense, he did not. And he's a defensive minded coach. Exactly. What, what he wants to do versus what Lincoln Riley wants to do is two totally different things. Um, I don't know why Michigan, excuse me, why Oklahoma went in that direction. Um, you, I'm always, I'm a big believer if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I would have kept doing what I was doing. Um, but maybe they felt that they couldn't win a national championship doing that, and so that's why they went in that direction. And that's probably the case. Not to go too far down the, the Oklahoma rabbit hole, but as far as the Sooners are concerned, uh, I, I do not know what they returned last year on defense and because the, I'd say that was the bigger disappointment because when they had Dylan Gabriel offensively, that they played pretty well. Um, that was That was the problem in that game against Texas that – Dylan Gabriel was out. They didn't. Oh, have, that's right. They didn't have a quarterback, and they couldn't stop him. So it was just a perfect storm. Where, and what Texas beat them fifty-six nothing or something like that. Yeah, and like the thing that kills me about this is, you're Oklahoma, right? Let's say your your primary focus is offense, right? Still, you're Oklahoma. You should be able to roll out of bed in the morning, and bring in great defensive players with with little effort. Hey, we're Oklahoma, right? This is who we are. You come play for us. Uh, I mean, how could they be this bad on defense for so long? It just doesn't make any sense. It gets to be a culture thing. 
and and it, you know, I think I think Venables will probably change that culture in time. My guess is the defense will be drastically improved this year. But I, I think under Lincoln, and they were very successful under Lincoln, not knocking what he does, but on defense, it becomes a culture thing, and then Venables has to fix that. Uh, they just don't, you know, Matt. It, it's just. And that Lincoln Riley offense, he just don't rely on his defense to win football games. And right. and when you almost get to the point where you, when people when, when they're scoring eighty points on people, and you so all you got to do is seventy nine. You know, I think it just becomes a culture thing. And I would expect them to take a big step forward on defense this year. If they don't, then Brett will probably be on the hot seat next year. No doubt. And uh, I love what Robert said. He said, "Bubba, you're sounding clear tonight." Usually you're in and out more than Philip Rivers. <laughs> that's that's funny. I love you, Bubba you man. That's, that was funny. What's that now? Did you see oh, Robert? I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. I'm I'm on a laptop instead of a cell phone. Hey, uh, Bubba, let's shift back. To this this proves what I was saying is as far as I have no issues with my internet, but um, you're kind of kind of getting back to. The Pirate receivers, um, a guy that we have not mentioned, who, who we've heard from the coaches, had a very strong offseason, be it winter conditioning, spring ball, and then the summer, and that's Jari Patterson, the, the Marshall transfer. Yeah, I was going to ask you, that was one of the guys on my radar, Matt. Uh, he He's a guy that I hear has a lot of upside to him. What, what do you know about him? Well, I just that I've heard the same. I heard he's a very talented guy. I don't. It seemed like it took a while to kind of put it all together, um, but by all accounts, he's had a strong off season. Um, again, like he brings pretty good size to the position. Six foot, one hundred and ninety two pounds, pretty sturdy guy. So he's definitely in a mix. Um, you know, he's one of those guys. You know, we talk about all these guys that can step up and take the job. Well, he's he's going to be right there in that mix. And I and I think another guy too. Uh, I don't know if you guys were going to go to this name next, but how about Josh Murphy? Um, he was, you know, he was injured last season. I think he was scheduled he to be our very holder. well, though, prior to getting injured. Um, he was also on my list, Matt. Yeah. So, uh, and, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't he supposed to be the holder for our field goal kicker last year, which when he got injured, it led to a whole, uh, you know, domino effect of, of issues right. there. You're right. I forgot all about that, Matt. You're you're absolutely right. And that, I tell you what, man, that's one of my. Speaking of X factors, uh, please, please, please make sure uh, special teams. You guys were talking about. I know Kyle and I agree about this year, and uh, Matt, you've talked about Bubba has too about the fact that we could have a lot of those games, those fifty fifty games. It comes down to want to um, for me, but also. Um, speaking of special teams, uh, that's the difference of winning and losing. We could not make a bowl versus uh, winning, you know, six, seven, eight games could be from the fact of it's a 50-50 game. We make a field goal. We run some, you know, we run it all the way back. Um, even if it's down to the five-yard line, we can win that way. There's, uh, We've got to have that element, that third side of the ball, as Ruffin McNeil used to talk about. Oh, no doubt about it. It takes all, it takes everybody, you know, uh, working in, in, in combination and like complimentary football. That's, that's the big, right. Thing. Um, you know, that, that's really the big thing. And, 
Um, you know, as we saw last year, special teams, you could play a great game, and if you screw up on special teams, it's going to bite you in the ass. And Look about the NC State game, you know. Um, that cool. killed that killed Daffer, man. That killed that that kid was lights out, great kicker, and that one that particular game really, really. Coach Houston talked about. I think isn't he going to A and T? I believe or um, yeah, yeah A and T. Yeah, it's like that dude. Coach Houston absolutely loves Owen Daffer, and he felt like that because of all the pressure that Owen had here. Um, that he needed a fresh start. And that just shows you what a class act that Coach Houston is. He bragged about Owen Daffer, what a great kid he was. And he's not going to say that if the guy's like, you know, trouble or, you know, but he, I really, I really feel like that he was being sincere when he was talking about how much he liked Daffer and um, what a great kid. And I don't think he was just being, if you know anything about Coach Houston, he's not much on pleasantries, like just trying to be nice. Uh, I think he was sincere about um, Daffer. And I know we're talking about, obviously wide receiver night, but uh, we'll have that special teams night down the line and probably in the month of uh, probably it'll be in August. But Bubba, I know with the wide receivers, um, with the transfer portals really, really, I, I think the transfer portal has made the difference for us this year. If we didn't have the transfer portal, man, I know the state and the obvious, but that's really been a game changer. And, you know, Kyle, you talked about it. Um, the, with the transfer portal, this has actually helped us. And Matt, as the king of the transfer portal, don't you think the we've done, even though we've lost guys because of NFL NIL, uh, the transfer portal has actually been kind to us. I think the staff has done a really good job in the portal yep. the last few years. I think they've been able to identify some guys late that maybe slipped through the tracks or, you know, slipped through the cracks or, or just, you know, for whatever reason, weren't working out at another school like Keelan Robinson, for example. I mean, he, he's he's clearly a guy with a lot of talent. So I think they've done a really good job at identifying those guys. And if 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 somebody on this, you know, somebody from this class in the portal is able to contribute uh, like we got last year or even remotely like we got from Winstead last year, um, you know, we're going to be in business. So, you know, time will tell. A few other notes, um, a couple about – or one about Josh Murphy, something I don't think was mentioned. He was a high school teammate of Mason Garcia, so they already have that uh, bond between the two of them. Uh, so as far as being on the, the same page um, for an awfully long time. Uh, and then also, um, Matt, I believe as you mentioned, Tyler's – Tyler Savage about said, yes, yes, Savage. But um, Tyler Savage, he only had two catches last year. It seems like he had a big catch, maybe in a third down situation or something at, at Cincinnati for about 20 or 25 yards. So it almost – I was surprised when I saw that he only had two catches. I, I was thinking it was probably more like six or seven. But um, I like some of the things that I saw from him and and I I think he'll be some of what we're losing with Ryan Jones. I think like Matt mentioned, he's going to be kind of that hybrid role where you can split him out in the slot or um, where he's more attached during a wing wing spot. And, and then um, let's see. Also of notes. um, What about Kerry King? 
Yeah, I was say have have we? I was looking over my list, seeing if we left anybody out. Yeah, I don't. That's think one of my favorites. Kerry King, 5'10", 165 pounds. Last year, he got played significant snaps, had six receptions for fifty two yards, and he's someone that uh, Coach Houston, Coach Kirk Patrick have really emphasized his work ethic and said, you know. Nobody outworks Kerry King, so interested to see the jumps that he makes. And I remember the other point I was going to make. Last year, obviously, it wasn't very spread out. It was Zay Winstead. Uh, you had him with 100 – or not 100 catches, but you had Zay Winstead and then also C.J. Johnson that each had 1,000 yards. And it wasn't very spread out as far as the receptions and yardage. This year, I don't think you're necessarily going to have a guy. I mean, you, you may have an 1,000-yard receiver, but I think the better news is that it's going to be spread around like it was back during the Logan years where you have four, five, six guys that have anywhere from 40 to 60 catches. Where, where you, ha- you think about it, Jason Nichols, Mitchell Galloway, Larry Shannon, right. Troy, Troy Smith, et cetera. Um, Matt obviously was on those teams. And and he can attest the way those numbers, they were very good, but they weren't necessarily what you would think going back and looking at it because it was so spread out because we had so much talent and also not run as many plays. Yeah, that's the thing too, guys, is that the balance will be good because if if I know that one of your key guys is C.J. Johnson, for example, then you can really mess with him in his head like we're doing, take him out of the game. Um, I think – I, I I'm, think I'm going to actually disagree with Bubba a little bit on that. Um, I think if Jalen Johnson stays healthy, I wouldn't be surprised if he's a thousand-yard receiver. Wow. Well, okay. I, like I said, I'm not, I wasn't saying that we can't have one. I'm just saying that that um, I don't. Last year did not surprise me at all that that we had what we had. Not that I necessarily thought we were going to have two, but. It, it would it would not shock me uh, if we're going to have a thousand yard receiver. Yes, I mean I think it will be Jalen Johnson, but but uh, we we shall see. Yeah, I mean that that's what's great about this year. Like we've been talking about all night long, is the fact we don't. It's a lot of uh, maybe you can you can spend it unknowns. Um, some people would be scared by that, but you can also be excited about the fact that we don't know how it's going to unfold. And that's what makes this time of year as we're approaching the 20th day of uh, July. Uh, we're, we're all ready for college football. We're ready for it. Um, I don't know if the players and coaches are ready for it, but uh, the fans and media certainly hey, are. Well, when does the CC media day? Is this kind of, is there, have I missed that? Is that already that? happened? Yeah, it's been the last two days. It's, okay, so it's still going on. I need to catch up on that. Um, I, 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 uh, I'll, I'll see if I can do that on the – the ESPN app, but um. By the way, the uh, by the way, uh, what's the coach for um Arkansas? I'm drawing a blank. Sam uh, Sam, Sam Pittman. Pittman. Sam he Pittman. was on today. Oh my man, he is one of my favorite. I don't know about you guys, but he's one yeah, of my he's very favorite coaches. Yeah, he's very likable. <laughs> I like him a lot. Yeah, some of these guys in the SEC, when you hear them up there on that podium, it's nauseating to me. Like Sam Pittman, I agree. He's He's a more down-to-earth, likable guy. But some of these guys, I mean, trying to listen – I can't listen to Nick Saban anymore. I can't do it. I mean, <laughs> it it drives me nuts. Uh, what, do you, what do you not Kip, like about him, Matt? 
I just think he's become very uh, arrogant in his old age. Um, he, he, you know, he, he believes he he believes his own press. He he really does. I I think he's just become uh, kind of a character. You know, Jimbo Fisher is another one. I mean, gee, good, my Lord. favorite. And, yeah. And, and and guys, how about this? We talked about this. I know I know you guys were going to go to this, but I'll just go to it right now. Jimbo Fisher. How about this combination? Uh, bringing in none other. Then the Your quitter, buddy. and I'll call him a quitter forever because what he did with the Atlanta Falcons. That was god-awful. I'm talking about Bobby Petrino. Yep. Right? Um, how about that combination? Uh, I mean, that that is, to me, I, that to me, that is two larger-than-life egos that I think are going to yeah. clash. Like on paper, on paper, it sounds brilliant, right, to hire uh, Petrino. But then what was funny, Matt, you remember in a group text today, it was funny first. So when, when did he hire? When, when, was that? I mean, was yeah, that recent? Uh, no, it's been a few months ago. What happened with us? Uh, another thing I don't like about Petrino is remember he was going to UNLV, and all of a sudden, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, I'm not going to. Let's get the moving van. We're not going to, to UNLV in Las Vegas. We're going to College Station. And I'm like, dude, you didn't even get that school a chance. And I understand about that part. About I thought he was going to UNLV. What was he? He was going to be the head coach at UNLV. No. Offensive coordinator. Okay, so he, I know he was a head coach at Missouri State. So um, why did he, he he just decided he wanted to get out of the FCS? I guess. I guess. Yeah. I, I think he sees himself as a now, and, and you know, I, I'll say this about Petrino, even though you know he's kind of a a dirt bag as a human being, <laughs> but uh, as a coach, the man can coach offense. You yeah. know, he's getting paid like two million dollars at Texas A and M to call plays. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't see those two guys. Like I could see them having a fist fight in the locker room at half time. On the field. <laughs> yeah. If he calls for Hey, Kyle, his first thing that Jimbo said was that, uh, you know, that Petrino was going to call all the plays. And then he was asked again about it. And he said, well, most of the plays, and I was like, dude, this is going to be – I just – maybe I'm wrong uh, on this one, but I think it's going to be – I think we've seen this movie well, before, well, even Saban, though it's not with these two guys. Saban, Saban managed to coexist with um, – Kiffin? Kiffin, yeah. So, I mean, it's possible. It's possible <laughs> these two can coexist. I, you know, you, one of them is, is a slime ball, and the other one is – I don't. I don't know what Jimbo is. He's he's something. Though. Uh, I, he, the guy's got the best agent. I'm jealous because Matt and guys, uh, Bubba and Kyle, seventy five million and a seven and a half million for ten years. And you know, I, I'm sorry, but um, I didn't see that being a great thing for Texas A&M. I know they have the money. I don't blame Jimbo for taking the money. Um, but ha- do you guys think? I mean, he's had what one. Good season as far as what their expectations are. What was that in 2020 or 21? The years run together a couple years ago. Outside of that, it's been mediocre at best. And I know Semenza will say I'm being too nice when I say mediocre there in, in Texas A&M. What do you think, Bubba? No, not at all. I mean, you, you've seen this on social media a lot, uh, you know, the comparison between Jimbo Fisher's era to Kevin Sumlin and I believe Kevin Sumlin's era was actually better. You're right, Bubba. I forgot so, about that. You're right. Yeah. 
he's obviously done a done some great things in his coaching career, but um, but yeah, he, the the jury's still out uh, at Texas A and M. But um, you know, most hey. people, most people because of that large contract, even with that SEC money and all the money Texas A and M has, does not feel like the Aggies will part with him if if things don't go well this year. So, hey and, Matt, uh, I'm and, sorry, and, Bubba. And, and and a lot of people think that uh, I say a lot. I mean, you know, some some people that I respect their opinion think that Texas Tech, Texas Tech, Texas A and M is going to have a strong bounce back year. And and win eight eight nine ten games. I want to ask you guys. I'll throw it out to you guys as far as Jimbo, and we'll get back to ECU. So sorry for people watching, listening right now. But my one thing is uh, with the the whole situation with uh, Texas A and M and all that. Like you were talking about, how long, how far you you know let him go? But you've got Texas and Oklahoma coming in, uh, and, and and Matt, you got. I think Matt follows uh, recruiting a lot more obviously than I do, how many times can you hear five-star class, all these five stars, five stars, five stars, they put, paid them all kinds of money for NIL and and they're not delivering. I mean, yeah, we can have this year and I hope for the case, if you're a Texas A&M fan, I hope that's the case for you. But I just keep hearing a lot of, you know, it seems like it's a lot of, uh, a lot of smoke, shall we say, a smoke show. Well, I think it's especially funny at Texas to see them consistently bring in all these recruits that are supposed to be, you know, all world and five stars and every year, Texas, Texas, Texas. And it seems like they go bust almost every year. You know, I think it's hilarious. And I love the way they're to see their fan base panic. And, you know, they, they run off coaches down there. Like it's their job. Um, so I, I don't know. I kind of, I kind of take enjoyment from watching some of these teams, <laughs> fail miserably hey yeah texas and texas a&m is like the cowboys in the nfl every year they're gonna win the super bowl and um sorry i'm not a dallas fan for those of you that love the pirates and are that are cowboys fans i still love you um but it's just like every year you hear about the cowboys the cowboys it's our year we're going to the super bowl we're gonna win it oh wait a minute next year and the same thing with texas because they have 200 what is the their Kyle? what is their um their budget something like 245 million Ah, a lot more, something lot. like crazy like that. Just because they have the most money, you see that that doesn't mean that doesn't translate the national championships. Nah, guys, we have anything else to talk about ECU receivers, or are we done with the receivers? Yeah, I was gonna uh, mention about if we are, I was gonna mention about the Hall of Fame announced today, and uh, Jeff Charles, voice of the Pirates, is in there, uh, and uh, Rod Coleman's in there, and also uh, Seth Manis, right, uh, Bubba. Yeah, I'd stepped away for a moment. Um, oh, sorry, but, but yes, um, the four Hall of Fame inductees and Seth Seth Manus is definitely one of those um, stellar pirate career, very solid professional career. I mean, you think about his time with the Cardinals; it's a shame he had an injury. Yep, um, but uh, he was able to bounce back from from that injury. Also had a, a little stint in the big leagues with Kansas City. So, um, you know, congrats to Seth Manus. Recently, uh, his former coach Billy Godwin, um, you know, plucked him from UNC Wilmington. He had been on the Seahawks staff, and uh, he got a promotion as he is now the the pitching coach for the Spartans of UNCG. 
And I failed to mention the All-Colonial Athletic Conference guard, Justine Alpress. Uh, Alpress, uh, she is uh, also the fourth one uh, there for the 2023 ECU Hall of Fame, and that'll be on Hall of Fame weekend, which is, hey, Matt, you got to come down. Not only your favorite team, it's Saturday, October 21st. That's homecoming, and we're playing Charlotte. So you know, Matt, we got to get the uh, – we got to get Kyle, Bubba, all of us. We're got to be in the club level, having a good time. And you know, you can have a tear in your beer, Matt, or in your rum because your 49ers are going down, bro. Dude, if I'm watching, if I'm coming to watch Charlotte, <laughs> we're definitely getting Kyle on the club level. And just uh, one game, Kyle, one game with us, because Matt and Simmons and I have already talked about we're going to do club level. Just do one game with us. Mm, no. Okay. <laughs> Kyle, Kyle wants to be right down there in the mix. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been sitting in the same spot for, oh my God, since the 05 season. So I uh, kind of like where I am. Yeah, because Simmons and I, we're going to have a great time up there, right? Maybe maybe Bubba will come up and visit, visit us for a couple minutes and and then uh, go back to his seats, but it's going to be a great time. I can't. Good wait luck for with it. that. I think Bubba will come up and see us. I'm not talking about Bubba. I'm talking about them allowing just somebody to come visit the club level. <laughs> Did say you're Bubba Rosenbaum? Yeah. We. <laughs> you remember that who, article who? we read about that former player for the Pirates? Do you know who I am? I'm Bubba Rosenbaum, baby. Yep. That's all you have to say. Do you know who I am? Never attended a class a day in my life at East Carolina, but. I'm a honorary alum. There you go. So but, we're gonna, uh, And uh, by the way, for people that are just tuning in, wondering, uh, we will tell you the new voice of the Pirates will be announced in the morning. And listen to our good friend Henry Hinton talk of the town tomorrow morning as the new play-by-play voice. People are wondering about that. Some people are wondering. So I wanted to mention that at the very end of the show. Um, you can find out, and that will be – Obviously, on Thursday morning, if you're listening to Archive, you may already know who it is, but uh, we'll be talking about that as soon as the announcement. There's going to be a press release, and the voice, the new voice will be announced in uh, for Thursday morning. So looking forward to that, guys. Uh, can't wait. Yeah, i uh glad to be, you know, ha- have the search over with and to be announced officially, and uh, then we can actually talk about it. No doubt. No doubt. Do you guys have anything? Uh, do you have any more stuff uh, there, Bubba? No, uh, just we promote some of the stuff coming up. Yeah, upcoming content and then and previous content. Definitely go back and if you have not heard our running backs preview, um, go back and check that out. Um, then tomorrow uh, during the six o'clock hour, we will have two opponent previews and we'll be taking a look at the Gardner Webb running Bulldogs as we'll have play-by-play voice Phil Constantino on, and then uh, we'll preview the Pirates' trip to Boca Raton as they will be taking on the Owls this year and um, Tom Herman's club, and we'll we'll talk about uh, that transition uh, and the Owls joining the American uh, with third play-by-play voice Ken Levicka at 6.30s, or right around then, so – previewing Gardner Webb and Florida Atlantic and they do uh he, Ken was laughing about that I was joking when we were setting up the interview I said I've made a note I know to to address the 
the program now is Florida Atlantic rather than FAU. Oh, okay. So we got to say Florida Atlantic. I'll is learn Bubba that. in an elevator? Bubba, are you in an elevator right now? I'm hearing some weird sound effects. I don't know. You probably hear my dog, oh, my hungry dog barking. No, no. And we're in like a bull, yeah, like a. Was that it's Kyle? Not, it's not a dog. That wasn't me. It was bong. It sounds like an alert or something on a uh, a laptop. Yeah. I mean, don't you always have a dog in an elevator? But no, that's the only thing I could think of. I don't know. No, yeah, Kyle I heard your dog too, it. but it was, it, it was a little alert sound. It wasn't on your computer. But anyway, guys, we got yeah. anything else? We're going. We're going to wrap this thing up. Yeah, I want to remind everybody, Saturday, August the 5th, we've got a big show, 10 until noon. I want to p- plug that. We have Harold Robinson, the legendary coach at Williamston High, and, of course, went to ECU under John Thompson, Skip Holtz, and Ruffing McNeil. He's going to be there in person uh, there. The show is going to be 10 until noon, and uh, we're looking forward. It's our college football preview. We've got a lot of great guests lined up. Um, the guy, the fellows will be there, at least virtually here uh, with me, at Porky's Backyard Barbecue, and we're looking forward to that. And I know that we've got a lot of great guests coming up. By the way, guys, uh, uh, Bubba, we'll send it back to you. Yeah, we can, we'll go over that lineup. Um, in addition to Harold Robinson, Williamston legend, uh, we'll catch up with Adam Witten, the play-by-play voice of App State, once again um, as we preview what will be game three for the Pirates and just and also talk about the Sun Belt. With Adam, uh, Rini Angolia, David Glenn, uh, Morgan Ayler's, Jason Halter, among our other guests, and there, there may be more. So it'll be a very, very um, content-packed two hours, and we'll really have to to stay on task. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> but it'll, it'll be a heck of a show from ten to noon on August fifth. Right, and we've got some great uh, upcoming programming too, including. Uh, one of mine fans, uh, next Tuesday, next Tuesday, we're going to have uh, one of our favorites, one of Kyle's favorites, Cy Seymour. He's going to be with us talking about ECU basketball. And Cy has been um, going, and uh, you know how great Cy is. And he is really up and really excited about this group. And I want to give a shout-out to Coach Schwartz again for the recruiting, the speaking of the transfer portal. He was able to keep all those guys. So very exciting time if you're ecu basketball fan uh i don't think that your heart is going to continue to get broken year after year i think this year we're going to see some progress and just really happy the way the direction of the program for sure but si will be joining us next tuesday so check that out and i know bubba uh, a lot of the great content coming up too yeah we'll continue to take a look at the different position groups and then also um we'll have several more opponent previews uh, coming your way. But if, if you've not heard our conversation with um, Brian Newberry, the new head coach at Navy, you can go back and check that out. Also, Adam Witten of App State, Steve Cotton of Marshall, and um, I believe those are the three that we have in the tank so far. And then uh, and then we'll, like I said, you know, be, pre- be previewing Gardner-Webb and Florida Atlantic tomorrow. Sounds good. Uh, Matt, do you have anything before we go, bro? No, man. I think we uh, we, we said it all. And, uh, you know, just, just, again, looking forward to the season here. Kyle, do you have anything? You got nothing. All right. Appreciate you, man. Bubba, thank you so much, as always. Uh, and great job, guys. Looking forward to tomorrow night. Appreciate you so much. 
In fact, we'll be back tomorrow night right here. Thank you so much, everybody. We'll find out who the new play-by-play voice of the Pirates is. We'll talk about that tomorrow night and so much more. You've been watching the preview of the wide receivers and tight ends right here on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody, and as always, go Pirates. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.